Welcome to the Midwest Medium Podcast Halloween Special. This is where a voice of Dave Schrader would really come in handy, but I don't have the voice of Dave Schrader. So just pretend that when I say Halloween Special, just pretend that it's Dave Schrader and then I think you'll understand the effect that I'm going for. Thank you so much for joining me. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. It's Halloween time. So I wanted to put together a fun little special with some spooky stories. Some of my guests tonight are guests you've heard from before. They're friends of the podcast and some are new. So I think I will kick things off by sharing a story of my own. Now, one question I get once in a while from people is, you're a medium. You must have a lot of creepy stories. Well, fortunately for me, I have to tell you about 95% of my experiences with the paranormal and with spirit and supernatural are very positive. I'm very fortunate that way. But I do have a creepy little one that happened to me, gosh, what was it? Maybe five years ago now, four or five years ago now. Um, This story involves sleep paralysis which I'm definitely not a fan of. Sleep paralysis can keep on going because I am not interested. Um, So basically this was, you know, like I said, several years ago and before I knew I was psychic, before I knew I was a medium and one evening, well, in the middle of the night anyway, I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden I open my eyes And I see like this weird black mist kind of creeping up from the foot of my bed and coming closer to me. And when I say black mist, it was very close to the bed. It was not up by the ceiling. It was very close to me. Like I would say one or two inches above my comforter. And as this mist came from the foot of the bed towards me, I could feel my body becoming more and more paralyzed as if this dark, icky black mass was causing the paralysis and I could see it and couldn't move terrified. I was in bed by myself and, um, you know, so I couldn't just like grab my husband or, you know, try to wake him up, but I couldn't move. I couldn't get up. And suddenly You know, I I go in denial right away. I close my eyes thinking that it'll just go away or it'll stop or maybe I'll just fall asleep and I won't notice what's happening. And then, you know, I close my eyes and all of a sudden in my left ear, I hear a very um, deep, dark, forceful voice speaking Latin in my left ear. Now, I'm a girl from Minnesota, born and raised. I don't know Latin. All I know is that I can, I can, I can, um, what's the word? I can recognize it when I hear it, but I don't know how it translates to English. So yeah, it was, um, scary. It was, I'm going to go as far as to say it was something demonic. Um, understanding now, you know, years later, knowing that I am someone that um, works on achieving a closer relationship with God, Jesus, and the Ascended Masters, 
I can understand better now why I was targeted that time. Um, because of course, the devil, demons, whatever you want to call it, wants to negatively affect our relationship with God. And it didn't work. Um, literally the next morning, I got ready for work. And as I was driving to work, I'm in the car by myself. And I said, God, please do not ever let that happen again. It was it was very scary. It's one of, it is the most scary um sleep paralysis stories I have. It's the scariest paranormal story that I have. Um, it, ah, super creepy. Um, another story I wanted to share quick, and then we'll go into stories from guests is I live in a very old house. Our house was built in 1941 during the world, during world war two. And the people that we bought the house from had lived here for 55 years. So they, you know, obviously raised their kids here. They're here for a very long time. And we knew that the man of the home, his name was Florian. We knew that he had passed many years ago. I believe it was in the 90s. And, um, but we don't know where he passed. I don't know if he died in our house. You know, I, we have no idea, but we know he passed before this house went up for sale and that now it's ours. And so we always kind of knew of Florian. And um, shortly after we moved into our home, so we moved here in July. And so this was probably September, October. Uh, my daughter is upstairs by herself getting ready for school. I'm downstairs in the kitchen preparing breakfast. And my husband's at work, so it's just my daughter and I in the house. And all of a sudden, she screams like I've never heard her scream before. So I went over to the bottom of the stairs and I said, you know, what's wrong? What's going on? And she ran down the stairs crying and she jumped into my arms like, you guys, I've never seen my daughter before or since as scared as she was in this moment. She was shaking. She was crying. She was terrified. So we go and sit on the couch and I'm holding her and I'm trying to comfort her and I'm trying to help her calm down so she can tell me what happened. And she said she heard a man upstairs say hello. And as she told me the story, I heard footsteps coming down the stairs. And I didn't tell her in the moment that I heard those footsteps, but I, with my physical ears, I heard the footsteps coming down the stairs and I believed her immediately. I did not question whether it was her imagination, um, none of that. And it was basically, she had this experience and I was allowed to hear the footsteps so that I would believe her. And I did. So shortly thereafter, I found, um, well, I should back up a little bit. I really tried to help my daughter make peace with the situation, even though she was terrified. I said, you know, we know about Florian. It could be him. He said, hello. I think he was just trying to be nice. I think he was trying to maybe make a friend. Um, maybe he was just trying to welcome you into what he thinks is still his home, even though it's ours now. So I really was trying to help her find a way to make peace with it a little bit because 
you can't just not go upstairs for the rest of your life. You know, you have to put one foot in front of the other and move on. And um, so that helped a little bit, but I did reach out to a woman to cleanse our house. Um, it's an old house anyway. I also have had other paranormal experiences in this house leading up to this experience that my daughter had with Florian. And so it was like, okay, yep, this is, it's time we need to cleanse the house. So a wonderful woman named Jane, um, I don't recall her last name or the name of her business. So I'm sorry, I can't, I can't promote it because I don't remember, but um, she came to the house and she performed Reiki all throughout my home. Every room, every nook and cranny, she performed Reiki. And at this time, I really didn't know much about Reiki. I knew it was some type of like energy clearing from Japan. And that was really the extent of my knowledge at the time about Reiki. So I was like, fine, whatever, just do what needs to be done. We need to get whatever. If there's anything negative here, we need to get it out. So she came, she did her thing. And what was interesting was she allowed me to walk around my house with her and she would tell, she would tell me things, what she was picking up, which validated what I was picking up in certain areas of my house as well. So that really, I guess, should have been my first clue that I was psychic, um, which, I mean, we all are to some degree. But of course, I, I dismissed it other than I had these really neat validations. So our house was cleansed and it really, really helped. We haven't had, fortunately, a scary incident since. So um, I'm really grateful for that. So coming up next, we will have spooky stories from listeners and previous podcast guests. All right, up next, we have Paranormal Pete. You remember him from a previous episode where he was kind enough to come on and um, share his paranormal experiences. So Pete, welcome back. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you, June. Yeah, good to see you too. So, um, as we've talked about before, you host Ghost Walks in Port Gamble, Washington, yes. and tell us some of your spooky stories. It is a Halloween special after all. Yes, absolutely. Uh, happy to share some stories. And the first one I'll share um, has to do with a particular house here in Port Gamble. It's called the Walker Ames House. It's probably the most well-known as far as being a haunted location uh, in Washington state. And, um, basically it was, it was a spooky evening to begin with. <laughs> it was a private tour I was doing with about 10 attendees. And, um, we had gotten into the Walker Ames house and I was kind of given some of the history of the house. And of course we had the lights off because that's, it's fun that way. So we had the lights off. I'm starting to talk about the history of the house with this group. And from behind me, there's a hallway. And in that hallway is the old servant staircase in the house there. And it's a space that we don't ever go into. Uh, we don't put meters in there. We don't look in there. It's a space that we leave for the long-term residents of the house. So we just stay out of this space. So I'm talking about the history of the house at the base of the staircase, basically. And from behind me, we hear kind of a dragging sound on the floor, you know, kind of a swoosh on the floor. Yeah. 
And so I had a, a flashlight on and instinctively I turned to see what the sound was because it was it sounded like it was right behind me. And so instinctively I turned to my right with the flashlight and there's a woman standing there. Oh, and she had disheveled brown hair and um kind of pale you know skin and she was looking straight ahead so be looking like past where i was standing towards the front windows of the house as if she was looking out the windows so when i turned you know she's standing there my flashlight beam you know because of the angle i turned hit her right in the eyeballs and she didn't flinch she cast a shadow on the wall i remember seeing that and the entire group saw her so it wasn't just me and oh, wow. we we collectively gasped you know, <sighs> yeah and once we did that she vanished just poof she was gone and so the whole group was you know kind of freaking out a little bit and myself included <laughs> to oh, have, oh my gosh yeah to have an apparition appeared to be appear right behind me. And so everyone wanted to go outside. Most people wanted to be done at that point, but we had to walk through this hallway to get out. And so I had everybody walk through this hallway and I, I think everybody had the experience of feeling energy, spirit energy, because it was so strong in this hallway. It was mm -hmm. so, heavy on the chest, you know, you could just feel it felt like spider webs walking through spider webs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so everyone goes outside and, and most people did not want to come back in after that. And so we decided to call it a night. And when I went back to lock the door, you can see through this window by the door down that hallway. And there was this figure standing in the hallway and as soon as, basically, like, as soon as I saw it, it kind of ducked down into the floor and then it was gone. It just kind of shrank into the floor um, and then wow. just just gone. So that that was a great experience. That was the closest I've ever seen an apparition to my physical self. Um, okay, I have some questions. So when you... Yeah. So you're giving the tour and you have about 10 people with you and you turn and you see this apparition of this woman mm -hmm. and you said it It sounds like she was looking like basically looking past you or looking through you looking out the window do mm -hmm. you think she even do you think she knew at that point in time that there were people in the room with her or do you think she didn't even see you it sounds like she didn't even acknowledge your group i don't think she knew we were there i think it was we experienced a snapshot in history of, yeah. maybe, you know, I, she, she, it was like a residual sort of thing. I don't think she knew we were there. Okay. It, it was like we weren't there. I mean, there yeah. was no reaction to the flashlight in her eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I believe it was kind of a residual sort of situation to where. I love that the entire group saw the apparition because I think that is so extraordinarily rare yeah. You know, one or two people might see it, but for 10, 11, 12 people to see it all at once and they can validate for each other that what they saw yes. is truly what they saw. That is remarkable. So later when you saw the second apparition, 
do you think it was the same entity or the same woman or was it somebody different? I think so. I mean, it's it looked like a silhouette of a woman and it was just it was very fleeting. So, you know, I was just kind of looking through this window, locking the door and it was like she was there and it was very quickly she disappeared. Yeah. You know, it's like she sh shrunk. It was she kind of. I get what's the best way to describe it? she kind of hunkered down. She like sure. hunkered down and into the floor and then was gone. Okay. So now the history of the Walker Ames house, do you think this was a woman that was a former resident or somehow yeah. connected to the house or the property? Yeah, I think she worked for the household. And okay. so I think she was maybe um they had a live-in housemaid um historically. And so I believe it was one of those ladies. Um that i mean her hair was not it wasn't done in any sort of way and every picture you look at of like the people who own the house or um you know were owners of their houses they it was victorian era and so they all usually had their hair done very nicely and this this lady's hair was disheveled like she just got out of bed <laughs> sort of okay thing. Oh, interesting. That's so interesting. And I can certainly understand, you know, like you said, the the energy shifts in the room and you can feel it. So I can understand why your your tour guests maybe wanted to call it call it at that time and be done a little early. Oh yeah, they <laughs> were done. They're like that I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a little more than what they bargained for, but I think so. That, that experience will stick with them. It certainly will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was that was a pretty intense experience and it all happened pretty quick but it was you know one of those in the moment it was like forever but it was really only a few seconds. <laughs> right. Oh that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. What other stories do you have? Well, I've got a story from an investigation of that house and it was I was on the team Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society or known as OPS and uh, that team investigates the house quite a bit and so it was in the evening starting the investigation um, two of the team members went to go into the basement of this home which has kind of a notorious history for um, negative type of activity you know, things that don't mm -hmm. want you there sort of thing. Oh, sure. So the, these two team members went in the basement and immediately came back out, immediately opened the door and came back up and said, we doesn't feel right down there. We're not going down there right now. And this horrible smell kind of came over all of us when they came out of the basement. And I mean, it was, it was a really just rotting type, smell really horrible mm -hmm. so we decided to go up to the second floor and go to what's known as the powder room so there's a powder room off of the master bedroom in this house it's got like a little old sink in it and it's a very active location of the house so we went up there to um, do a ghost box session and just kind of see what would happen well we get up to the second floor away from the basement and this smell is still with us and it's just filling the room thick and heavy and so we all kind of had to put our shirts over our faces because it smelled so bad yeah and 
you know, it just felt, it didn't feel right in the room <laughs> in that, in that powder room. And so I was actually a little nervous because I was kind of feeling like this might be like a non-human energy. Yeah. Um, and because of the smell and it just the feeling that came with it. And that's so my understanding when, when there's a smell like that, that's so potent and yeah. not pleasant that from what I've been hearing in the paranormal community, it's generally indicative of perhaps a demon or definitely some type right. of negative entity. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I was a little nervous that I'm like, this kind of stuff's running through my mind. And so I was a little nervous and, so we started our, our ghost box session and it, you know, it goes through cycles through the channels, you know, a couple of times and we're asking general questions, you know, okay, who's here, you know, that sort of thing. And we hear come through the radio F you. Oh, and no. yeah, that's not good. And so I was like, okay, so the F word doesn't normally come through on the radio. And I think we were on the AM band, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's not a lot of F words coming through on the AM stations, right? <laughs> and right. so we're like, oh, geez, okay. And let it kind of run and continue questioning. And then F yourselves <laughs> comes through. Oh, geez. Yeah, and that's definitely something dark. Yeah, so we're like, oh my gosh. So one of my um, teammates, uh, who I investigate with a lot, uh, she's she, you know, asked, "Hey, can you stop swearing at us?" Swearing at us. And then there was another F word, and um, so she kind of put her foot down a little bit and was like, "Hey, you need to stop swearing at us. Yeah. We don't appreciate that." Yeah. And it mean so meanwhile while this is going on, the smell is still heavy. The room is heavy. It just doesn't feel right in there. And from the next room over, so in the master bedroom, you have to walk through this closet passageway to get into the master bedroom. From there, so our team is accounted for. We're all in this little powder room. From the next room over, we hear this coughing noise. And it was kind of like a... <laughs> like this hard cough, harsh cough. And so... I mean, I was getting a little freaked out by that point, um, but this, it was this loud cough. And so we're all, I'm sure everybody else was kind of freaking out on the inside. And one of the team members says, are you sick? And through the ghost box, we get a yes response. Pretty clear. Yes. What are you sick with? And we had to go back and listen to this, but it said it re there was a response and it said blood lung which is an old term for tuberculosis. Right. Yep. And then the cough made sense. We we're like, okay. And so um, team members, you know, we were saying, you know, you're not sick anymore. You can let that go. Let the, let it go. You don't have to be sick anymore. And then there was one more F you <laughs> that came through <laughs> the radio. And then it was just like instantaneously, like somebody flipped a switch the room felt normal and that smell no trace of it it was just like it, whatever it was left and we could all tell when it left yeah. and it was like yeah. there was no trace of that smell and then it just it it felt normal you know it just felt like a normal room all of a sudden 
And so that was really interesting. And some of the team members are uh, professionals in the medical field. And okay. they were describing the smell as a rotting body, basically. Interesting. Yeah. So that one, that one I was a little creeped out about going into it and then uh -huh. hearing the swearing and then that, that cough just send, sent chills down my spine hearing this, you know, we're, we're on edge and then a, like a physical cough from the next room that really freaked me out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that freaked me out. <laughs> oh, geez. I can understand why. Yeah. Especially yeah. I think yeah. with that, with that, uh, odor, um, that's never, that's never a good indication of anything positive. <laughs> so. Right. 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 And, um, I thought of another story the other day, um, for your special here and it wasn't like an investigation or anything, but it was here in Port Gamble. Yeah. And it was one that I had to, it was one where this, this happened. And then after it happened, I started thinking about it and realized I may have just seen another apparition here. Oh and so, so what happened was it was in January of last year. No, it was Jan. Sorry. January of this year, actually. Gosh, it seems so long ago. <laughs> And we had unseasonably heavy rains going on. We're in the Seattle area, so, you know, there's a lot of rain, but it was unseasonably heavy rains going on. Uh -huh. And it was evening time, and um, I think I was heading to band practice, so I was going to... Oh, Pete, I just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just saw an orb float right in front of you. It could be dust. I'll say that because it is kind of dusty in this space okay, and I have some, okay. I have direct sunlight coming through. So we'll keep your eyes. I mean, okay. very well. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm getting in my car. I believe I was heading to band practice and so it was just, it was just pouring out mm -hmm. and cold out and just that cold, nasty rain. And so I just leave my house and I go to the end of my road. It kind of circles around. And then there's a road right behind my house, like a little garage driveway sort of thing. And so I was going to turn onto that road to get to the highway and uh, drive out of town. Well, as I came around that corner, there was a woman walking and she was like, she was going to step into the little drive road behind my house. So I stopped, you know, I was like, oh, geez, there's a person there. And I stopped for a second and I gave a motion with my hand to say, you know, go ahead. Right. And she just stood there like a statue, just, you know, stood there for in, for a few seconds. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go. So my headlights were kind of on her, but it was raining so hard. Yeah. You know, you could see a lot of the rain in my headlights and this woman. Yeah. And I realized as I'm driving by, since she didn't move forward, you know, I'm on my prompts trying to get her to go. I realized it, she looked like she was wearing a bonnet as my headlights were on her going by. And she was, you know, seemed like she had her hands clasped, like she was cold. Right. And it was uh -huh. cold. It was January and heavy rains. And then I started to think about it. 
She wasn't wearing any reflective clothing and it didn't appear to be modern clothing. I realized it was like a she was wearing a dress and had like yeah. a bonnet on. And then I'm thinking this is an area where you don't ever really see people walking around. And it's, there's like uh -huh. fields, there's open fields and stuff in this part of the town. And it's at night dumping out rain i'm thinking why is this person walking out here right now yeah There's it just no doesn't make sense. no cars down it uh, i live near some guest houses that people can rent out for vacation spots here there's no cars down there i'm thinking why is this person here right now walking by and i just kept replaying what i saw in my mind and she had a bonnet on and it was just like soaking wet like she was this gal was just soaking wet and I'm looking in my side view mirror as I go by and I don't see her anymore. Yeah. And uh, so then I started to think, oh, my gosh, did I just see an apparition? Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that I did. And it was just so strange for somebody to be in that spot at that time in the storm walking around. It, it Yeah, I mean, that, that would be strange for sure so my question though is assuming it was an apparition which i do believe it was from everything that you're telling us mm -hmm. why would she be wet from the rain if she's not part of our physical world and she's in some other sort of dimension or if this was a residual apparition what why yeah. would she yeah. be soaking wet that well... i think is yeah, that and that's a great question. And that was something I kept running my mind like, okay, if that was a spirit, yeah. how did she appear to be affected by the natural physical environment? And what I came up with in my mind was that this may have been brought on by the rain. This may have been brought on by the storm. And it might be that this woman was stuck out in a storm out here. Yeah, you know, or outside, and so because of the storm that was going on, it was such heavy rain that maybe it was like I saw a snapshot of something that happened in that location, mm -hmm. and so I think maybe the storm actually triggered whatever it was. It was just so strange, you know, to go That's around. Yeah. I don't, I don't see her. I don't see her in my headlights as I'm turning. There's a woman. I, you know, all of a sudden she's there. Yeah. And I'm like trying to waver, you know, I swear she could see me. She should have been able to see me. Did she look trying... at you? Did she turn her head and look at you? I mean, it's, she was looking at my direction, but I don't know if she okay. was looking at me. And, but, you okay. know, so I'm trying to motion on. And she was just like standing there. And so a few seconds huh. go by and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go then. You know, when somebody doesn't cross the street, you know, you, you yeah. go. And yep. then my headlights you know, kind of hit her more and it was a dark colored dress and dark bonnet. And like, I remember seeing some white kind of frilly material around the collar, uh, like lace sort of. And yeah. And then, and then I just couldn't see her as after I got past her, it was weird, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure she was an apparition. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine too, you know, you're driving in the, and driving in the rain is kind of a drag anyway. And then you're like, did I just see what I think I saw? Because <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it was right by my house. I mean, it was, 
you know, probably 30 yards from my house is where she was. Wow. And there used to be historically in this area, I'll, I'll preface it or give some context that in this area, there used to be a lot of houses that are no longer here. They're mm -hmm. torn down many, many years ago. And so it was like more, a lot more houses, more like a neighborhood sort of thing. And so she very well could have been coming from one of those spots. You know, maybe she yeah. lived in, in one of the houses there, but it was just, it was one of those, you know, didn't quite, wasn't quite sure what was going on as it was happening. And then after I'm driving away, replaying it in my mind, I'm like, oh Jesus, something doesn't seem right here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I've learned to trust that with that feeling, especially the, you know, everything that's happening that mm -hmm. you just described, it, it just doesn't add up. Why would, yeah. Why would there be a woman out at night in the rain with clothing that's not modern i mean just... yeah no rain i mean there wasn't like rain gear i i would imagine if somebody's out you know running jogging or something around there they would have some sort of athletic clothing on and it was just this big dress and it was like she yeah. was just kind of you know didn't have her hands clasped but it was like she was you know cold and kind of yeah. bundled up you know so that was yeah. a that was a really cool one um, and I've got another story for you that I thought of, and this uh, happened to take place at an old historic army base in the area here, and it's called Fort Flagler. And okay. at uh, in this area, there are multiple historic army bases, and they were gonna they were there to protect Puget Sound around uh, World War One time. And so there's Fort Warden, there's Fort Flagler, there's Fort Townsend, there's Fort Casey. There's a lot of different forts, you know, they got guns, big, huge, giant guns pointed in every direction through this passage into Puget Sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my family and I went to go to Fort Flagler. They got a great uh, beach there and a really cool state park. And there's a really cool little restaurant out there in the park you can get burgers and things like that. it's a fun place to go they got a good playground and so it was we were just going out to hang out there for the day and and they have bunkers and the bunkers at all these places are known to be haunted okay. <laughs> and at some of the other forts you know i've psychically seen guards walking catwalks you know up above the bunkers and um so I always love going to these places. So we go to this Fort Flagler and we start walking around. There's old historic barrack houses, officers quarters, things like that. And we're, we went to go to one, to the bunkers. And uh, I don't, I think it was the second set of bunkers we were going to go into. And I got my family, I've got my wife and I've got my two really young girls and so when you get to these bunkers, there's steps that go down into them. And we go to go into one of these bunkers and I was kind of in front of everybody. And I get to the top of the stairs and there's a man at the bottom of the stairs in a white t-shirt and like dungarees. And he is, this is kind of graphic, but he is holding his guts and oh my gosh there's blood and he's looks like he's been stabbed a bunch of times in the abdomen is what it looked like so oh my gosh. 
yeah so i get to the top stair i see this i mean this guy's like holding his guts and he looks up at me i was and... just gonna ask if he looked at you if he saw oh yeah you. no we made eye contact and he's about he's uh, it's a kind of a you know a good stairwell down so he's probably like 20 feet from us uh-huh. and so he looks up we made eye contact and immediately all the all the vibes went down my spine <laughs> as soon as yeah. we made eye contact and his eyes were white um you know like solid white and wow. so he looks up at me we make eye contact and he just he had this kind of snarl to his face he did, he looked a really upset so he looks up at me with this really like terrible scowl as one make would eye be contact with when they yeah. have you know, yeah. organs falling out of their body yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so we make eye contact and i grabbed my girls and backed up and said we're not going down there yeah. And as soon as I kind of backed up a little bit, he it was like fast motion. He zoomed back into the darkness, just like his movement, like his whole body just back into the tunnel, into the darkness. Wow. And I just got all these impressions of and it's something that I need to try and research with the base history there. I felt like he was stabbed by others, other people at the base. Um, so I, it was, again, these all happened pretty quickly, but in the moment time slows down sort of thing. But I just, I kept getting these impressions of this, this guy being stabbed in the gut a bunch of times and then basically left there to die. Like he had done something to somebody and they were getting revenge or it was, you know, something bad happened to him. I don't know, but uh, his eyes were like, I, I'll never forget when he looked up at me and I could see it was just his eyes were all white and just had this terrible scowl on his face. And like, he just looked up at me like, what, what are you looking at? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as I oh, backed wow. up, he was like, zoom, zoomed back into the darkness, just whoosh, super fast. That was creepy. That I didn't know what to think about that one either, but it was intense and the, and just the feelings, um, you know, it, it was, I, it was all psychic to me, I think, because I, my, nobody else saw him and it was all fairly quick, but, um, nobody, you know, nobody said, well, I saw him too. My daughters didn't say anything, you know, so I think it was just me that saw it, but it was so intense. And I just, when he looked up, it was that eye contact. It was, it was yeah. so creepy. <laughs> Very creepy. So was it time was it time to pack up and go home or were you able to enjoy the rest of your day? We enjoyed the rest of the day. We went yeah. to we just continued walking down and I think we went into a different set of bunkers and and walked around. So that was uh that was pretty intense and just I'll never forget the guy's face and him looking up and just like how he was holding his guts. It was so weird and gross (laughs) yeah weird and gross and sad i mean if there if that's truly a soul that is stuck and unable to move on and find some sort of peace and is just continuing to replay whatever that awful experience was yes 
it's just oh there's nothing good about it at all yeah. except we got a good story out of it i suppose but yeah oh wow yeah well and and so last story i'll share um, i'm sure there's dozens and dozens more but um i wanted to share one that left a lasting impression with me for a couple three days after the experience i i couldn't shake it it was um i was at this uh old hotel that was you know known to be haunted excuse me and so before this experience this team had cameras set up in the basement of this location and you know, like for an investigation uh-huh. and we were all upstairs in the hotel and in one of the ca- i could see the the monitor with all the cameras and i was i was taking a class and and so uh, it was a paranormal class sort of thing. It was a workshop for this weekend, so weekend long sort of thing. Well, I could see the computer monitor and I start seeing this little girl going through the shot in one of the cameras a couple of times. And I thought, okay, you know, check my eyes. Okay. Rub my eyes. Okay. Am I seeing that? You know, I don't know if anybody else yeah. is seeing that, you know, cause yeah. the monitor, big monitors were like at the front of the class. And so I see this little girl go through and then a little while later goes back and I'm thinking, well, there shouldn't be any kids down there. And then I started getting all these images in my mind and um, of um, Mary, Jesus's mother. I, I got a vision of her. I was like, I kept, I was seeing a lot of statues of her uh-huh. and the mother Mary and I, I kept getting, you know, some other names and I'm kind of being a little vague to uh, be respectful of the location, but sure. um, I ended up coming up with a name. And so at the end of that portion of the class, I asked the instructors if um, this, this, per, you know, the, if there was somebody down there with this name and they said, yes, there is. And uh, would you like to go down there? I said, sure. I, you know, I think I saw her on the camera. And so they took me into this basement and there um, was an area they kind of had off limits for the investigation, but they allowed me to go back there. And this basement is big and sprawling. There's, it's a huge basement. And mm-hmm. so they take me back to this area where this girl is known to be. And, um, I could feel a presence in this room, but it was dark in the room. So I I couldn't see into the room, but I could feel somebody was in there. So, and I felt that it was, it was her. And so I was saying, Hey, you know, if you want to come say hello, that'd be great. If not, that's okay. But you don't need to be afraid of me. And I could just feel this person was like wanting to come forward, but was nervous. And so I took my hat off and I said, do you want to see my hat? You know, and I kind of held it out and, you know, said, yeah, this is my hat. You know, if you want to come touch it, you can. And it just, there was this feeling of apprehension and, and like somebody was just right there around the corner and um, it felt like she, this girl was, you know, 10, 10 years old, somewhere eight to 10, somewhere in there is what I was getting. And, um, 
So then I thought, oh, well, maybe she's just nervous of men. And so I said, hey, you know, I'm a dad and um, I have two girls and, and yeah. uh, you know, did you, do you have a dad? You know, and just trying to approach it that way. And I felt if it felt less nervous and like it would that this being would come towards me. And so I said, hey, you know, oh, I'm a I'm a dad and I love to give hugs. And so if you'd like if you'd like a hug, hug, come on over, you know, mm -hmm. and then I felt, you know, this rush of energy and I I felt this ice cold you know, stream of air go around my waist and kind of up my back. And I actually felt like I got pushed back a little bit. And yeah, so it felt like I got a hug and it was just ice cold. Uh -huh. and, and it wasn't my whole body. It was just, you know, went around my waist and kind of halfway up my back, ice cold. And so I, you know, put my arms out and I said, oh, thank you. You know, thanks for giving me a hug. And I really needed that. And I hope you did too, sort of thing. Uh -huh. And then it seemed to go back in the room and it just stuck with the, the spirit stuck with me. Um, and I was having other visions of what happened to this girl. And as she got a little older and there was some not so kind things going on in that basement. Yeah. Um, and so I saw some of the, it was just something I couldn't shake for a couple of days. And I had to like sit down and be like, okay, I'm not going to say her name, but okay. Yeah. You know, little gal yeah. here, you need to go back. <laughs> you need to go back home. Cause it, was, yeah. it felt like she was still with me, but the sensation of feeling like arms going around your waist and up your back, chilling feeling it was so cool um and i hope that it helped her out as well but it was soon as i started talking about being a dad myself and that i had girls that okay. seemed to get she seemed to come forward and uh but it was it was and it was really good validation for me with the name you know from what i was seeing upstairs watching the monitor it was it was good validation for the name and and yeah. uh and then the other stuff that I was seeing as far as validation of what was known to happen to this girl. Um, so that was That's pretty, that was pretty impactful for me. It really sounds like it. Now I do have to ask, you had mentioned you were seeing like um, statues of mother Mary when you were seeing this little girl on the, on the monitor. So um, I understand that you're trying to be vague to protect the girl in this location. Are you able to help us understand a little better why you would see images of mother mary as it relates to this young child yeah. it was half of her name half of her first name oh okay got it okay yeah. i'm good with that okay. yeah yeah so i was seeing that to say for my mind to say mary <laughs> mother yeah. mary yeah okay and so it was it was the first half of her first name basically interesting yeah oh wow well, Pete, you have some really great stories. I'd love to hear more, but I know you got to run. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Thank you so much for coming on for the Halloween special. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be with you. And and I look forward to uh, being a part of the Halloween your Halloween special and hearing all everybody else's stories too. <laughs> great. Thanks, Pete. Up next, we have Carol Hughes. Carol is... 
the uh the host of the grave talks which is uh, a podcast that i listen to almost every single day carol seriously it's really good if you are a fan of the paranormal you have to check out the grave talks um there's a lot of great paranormal stories carol does a lot of great interviews so make sure you check out the grave talks i asked carol to come on today because she grew up in a real haunted house and i thought who better for a halloween special could i ask to come on then carol so carol welcome to the program thank you and i want to say thank you for those very nice things you just said oh (laughs) well they're all very true I, it's weird. I talk about paranormal things all day long, every day. And I swear there are times that the paranormal stuff just seems to follow you. Like, you know, weird things happen that shouldn't happen. And I blame it on talking about it all day. (laughs) You can't, you can't escape. No. So Carol, tell us about, okay. I know that you, you grew up in a haunted house. Can you tell us, you know, vaguely if you want the location um really your experiences i'm sure you have so many stories so really whatever you're comfortable sharing we'd love to hear it well the house that i moved into i was in first grade when we moved in there and i moved out right before i started seventh grade okay so for six years i guess we lived in that house and the funny thing is when you're in first grade i don't remember moving in i don't mm-hmm. remember ever asking anybody is it haunted or asking why I was hearing these things the funny thing is is in my memory now it was just accepted like I just always knew it (laughs) I don't know I think that kids do know things and and sense a lot of things and since there was five of us kids and um, my dad didn't live with us much Uh, My mother was overwhelmed with five kids and she had some mental health issues and we're living in a haunted house. So it was a very weird environment. There was a lot going on. There was a lot going on in that house, but it was just this constant feeling, number one, that there was something right behind you. And, And I've talked to a lot of people who have had you know, lived in a place like that. And it's like this feeling between your shoulders and the back of your neck. Yeah. You can feel the energy. Yeah. And that's like, and and I just would like scrunch my shoulders up and, you know, like I could make it stop that way. And if you had to go upstairs by yourself, you know, you couldn't come down the stairs fast enough. We all just ran down the stairs. We ran up to get what we needed to get ran down the stairs. Yeah. But it was the thing that probably was the most common in that house. And I don't know, I should take a quick step back. I don't know the history of the house. I mean, at the time I was so young that you don't really think about that sort of thing. Right. As an adult, I haven't really wanted to open that door, if that makes sense. I think to some people it doesn't. No, people's like, could, I would want to know. But so it'd the be house, a huge can of worms, yeah. I think. So the house yeah. was built early, early 1900s. And it was a big two-story house that overlooked a lake in Alma, Nebraska. And so the boat dock was literally right across the street from us. So it was pretty much on the water. And at night, there was something really, really dark about the upstairs bathroom. It had a attic that was right off of the bathroom. So you go in the bathroom, they've got the old 
cloth bathtub and nobody ever took a bath in that bathtub. It was like, cause everybody hated the bathroom so much. I don't yeah. one person bathed in that bathtub the whole time we lived there. But right next to the bathtub was this little door that even as a kid, I had to crouch down. So it was probably a three foot door, maybe four. I don't know. I just remember always bending down. So I'm going to guess three feet because an adult would have to almost crawl in there. And oh, sure. Yep. As an attic. And whatever was happening was kind of seemed to come out of that area. And it was all over the house, but especially there, it was just really, really dark. And at night, very, very common. Some, it was like a man, it was very heavy footsteps, a slow and deliberate, like step, step, step. But he would walk out of that bathroom and there was a railing along the stairs. He would walk along the railing to the stairs, sometimes would stop. And that would be all it was. Sometimes mm -hmm. it would go down the stairs. And it was, since it was an old house, the stairs were really creaky and you could hear each step down the stairs. Yeah. Sometimes it would stop there. Sometimes, like I remember one night he went to the front door and the door opened and closed. No. I, yeah. And, and I remember that night we had a dog named Peanut and Peanut just went crazy barking and barking and barking. And one night I heard it, I heard him go down the stairs and turn the TV on. So there was always different things with it. It wasn't the exact same, you know, walking out of the bathroom, walking down the stairs, it, yeah. different things would happen. And we'd hear things at different places as well. It wasn't always just there. Like, um, one night I was watching TV and we had a front porch and my best friend lived next door and they would jump up on the side of the porch rather than to walk around the, the, to the front steps. So they would jump up on the side and you could hear him walk across the porch, knock on the doors. So I'm mm -hmm. like, what's Brenda? Because it's weird that she's coming over at night, but she must need something. And so I go to the door and there's nobody there. And you could hear if somebody would have walked off of the porch. Because the house right. was so old. Everything creaked in that house. And right. So, so when, when you first heard the door open and close and then the television turn on, were, did anyone witness this with their physical eyes or were you just able to recognize the sound? Oh, you know, oh. you can, those are sounds that you definitely recognize. And we yeah. all stepped yeah. upstairs. And so it wasn't like any of us kids were going to get up and go and right. investigate. There was go investigate, no yeah. Way. No way. It's like, I just would remember thinking how much I hated living in that house. And I hated all of that. It scared me. And yeah. it was my, the entire time we lived there. And there was one time we would go away on the weekends and we'd come home and late on Sunday night, we'd go see my grandma. So we all came in the kitchen, all the lights are out. So as you're going into a different room, you turn the light on. So we walked through the dining room. Then there was a, what we call the piano room. That's, it was like the front room when you'd go through the front door and it mm -hmm. just had a piano in it. And then right next to the piano was the stairs to go upstairs. So we turn on the light in the piano room, turn on the light to the stairs because we're all tired kids. And 
we, it was like back in the day of record albums and 45s. And so we took the records that we wanted to listen with our cousins, the rest of them, we didn't really like that much for whatever reason, or we weren't too cool for those. I don't remember, but we left some and turn on a light and there's all these records on the stairs and like we did not leave the house that way so there's yeah. all these records on the stairs and then an album started playing on the record player oh my gosh yeah did your heart just drop yes and it was um, a Rod Stewart album back when he was with the faces, Rod Stewart, um, as not as, as good as a wink to a blind horse. I'll never forget it. That was the album. Because <laughs> there's only like three songs I liked on it. And the weird thing is that um, a lot of people, you know, if you're old like me, you know, with record players, they had an arm and you could stack your 45s and it would drop them down. And if the arm was back, like over by the, the needle, the arm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it won't, it would just keep playing over and over and over again. So if you left the arm in that position, it would just start back over, finish and start back over. But it sure. wasn't in that position. It was in the position it would only play once. So that was weird. And the music started wow. in the middle of the album. So it didn't even start on the first song. So it wasn't like, we just happened to walk in as this album. I don't know how in the needle like ended up in the middle of the album. I don't know how any of that happened, but all I knew was that wasn't normal. And right. for people, they didn't have that going on in their house. Oh my gosh. I wonder, do, does your family have any theories about why these records would be kind of shuffled about and, and gosh, it's almost like, the spirit or ghost in your house wanted, you know, really liked music and found something that they liked and just wanted to listen. I don't know. You know, I always took it as this will scare the shit out of him. Excuse me if I, I cussed. Um, but I always thought it was more like that. I'm going to scare him. Oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. You know, Very it was well could be. because my mom, you know, when I've talked about it with her, she kind of acts like, yeah, you know, there was some weird things that happened. But she's the one who named the ghost Henry. So, you know, if your mom oh, no. is acknowledging that there's a ghost and she's named it Henry, you know, that kind of gives some credibility to something's going on in the house. But, you know, I just, I I think it was like, once we saw that, okay, kids pick up those records. But I also don't think she wanted to really scare us even more. Right. To acknowledge that was going on, but she named I wonder, it Henry, but I think yeah. it was Henry and there was something else because and yeah, if you're giving the entity a name, that's almost like an invitation to stay an invitation that you're welcome here. Yeah. And, but it seemed dark. I'm like, at the same time, you know, this is yes. something that's scaring children. Right. And it didn't seem playful. It to me at all, it just seemed terrifying. Like there's times that I'd be in the house and I'd be perfectly fine. Middle of a summer day, I'm watching TV. And then all of a sudden I get that feeling. It's like, it's right behind me. It's right behind me. And I would run out of the house. That would, that would happen all the time. Like I could be fine for a little bit mm -hmm. and then you could feel it walk up on you. And to this day, 
I can go places and I can walk in. And I'm like, oh, what is going on here? You know what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, there was just, it was, there was so many things like that, you know, doors would shut and the door handles would rattle when you would try to, or like you go to open, like if you did have to go to that bathroom and you would go to open the door and then you're stuck in there and then, you know, somebody's yelling and it's like, let me out. Yeah. And somebody would come and the door would just open. And it's like, no, it really wasn't opening. I was stuck in there. Yeah. To me, that's just. So you you mentioned. I think that's terrifying for children. You had mentioned that it wasn't something you really talked about, but you knew that it was different. You knew it was something that wasn't normal. So at what point did you and your family kind of compare notes and were able to, I guess, cooperate each other's stories? You know, we kind of did as we went along the kids, but it was really when we were young adults and got uh-huh. together. And that's when my dad shared some really terrifying, really terrifying things that happened to him. And he had one time, you know, it, in a house like that, it's not going to be a finished basement. It's a dugout cellar. So yeah. they it would have the door it's not like you just open the door and walk in. You would have to lift it. It's almost like a, like a shelter or something. So you would have to lift the door with two hands and it had a hook and you would have to hook it because it can't, it couldn't stay open on its own. And the okay. hook was big. It was a really big hook. So it kind of didn't lay flat on the ground. It laid at an angle. Um, So if, so you could reach down, you could grab the hook and hook it. And it wasn't an option of it not being hooked. It was either all the way hooked or it wasn't hooked and it wouldn't stay because it had a really deep groove to the hook part. Mm -hmm. And so for safety purposes, you know, so my dad had to go down there once and he was coming up the stairs and that door unhooked. And had he been one more step up, it would have just, hit him like smack on the top of his head oh my gosh yeah and you know he's like scared the shit out of him and he said that another time he heard something at night and didn't know what it was it was like pounding 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 rattly pounding went downstairs though and and it's not like we went in that cellar every day (laughs) we didn't go in there very. oh yeah And, you know, it wasn't like you could store a lot of things down there because it was dirt. And so he went down there and so he's like, it's in the kitchen. So he goes in the kitchen and then realizes that it's not in the kitchen. And the cellar was kind of an add on on the house that they had built sort of maybe like a enclosed patio or something. It didn't have heat or anything out there. Mm -hmm but it was in this room and he saw a light coming from the cellar door and could see the door, like the door itself was shaking. So what that was, I don't know. I don't know what was down there. I think he went to bed and went down there the next day. The lights were on, shut them off. That was it. You know, I don't, and, and, you know, they, we didn't have a lot of money, so it wasn't an option of moving to another house. It was a really little town and apparently the people who had lived there before us had 
the same experiences we had. They also had three or four kids. And so, so they had lived the same things happen to them. Oh my gosh. Did your parents know that before you all moved in? Probably I don't not. Think but... so. I don't think so. I don't think they yeah. had a clue. I think it was the house they could afford. And I don't yep. think they had any idea of what happened there. You know, of course they didn't be like, Hey, you know, it's cheap. It's haunted, but it's cheap. <laughs> I don't think they told him that. But oh my that, gosh. Yeah. So one time my best friend lived next door and she had the coolest house. Like her house had great energy about it. You know, my house, you walk in, it just feels dark and oppressive. And so she fully well knew my house was haunted, you know, things that happened to her in the house. And I would talk to her about it. And when one weekend we were out of town at my grandma's house and from her family room, it overlooked the lake. So I had these big picture windows so you could see the lake, but it also on the other side, we had windows so you could see my house. Mm -hmm. You could see my bedroom from her family room. And so she told me once when we were out of town that she saw the light turn on in my house and someone sat on my bed. No. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it could be a person snuck in our house, but, you know, as a town of 1,200 people, you know, I don't know who would want to <laughs> sneak in our house for no reason. Now, did she tell you that when you were still living there? Or did she, yeah. was she kind enough to wait until after you moved? Nope. When I still live there. And I just remember going, I know, like I'm so embarrassed. I live in a haunted house. I just remember feeling more like that. And the guy who yeah. bought that house after we moved out, I went back to visit one time the following summer because I went and stayed a week with my friend. And so we went over to see, he was turning it into basically a duplex. And he said, oh, so you're one of the kids who used to live here. I said, yes, sir. And he said, did you ever feel like there was someone else living in the house? <laughs> I said, yes, every oh day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, and he felt it. But I'm telling you the creepiest thing that happened, there was a lot of them, but because it just seemed like it was out of a movie when I look back on it now. Mm-hmm. But moving, it was the last day. We loaded up our station wagon. Everybody's in the car. And and I looked at the house, and my my brother and sister shared a room with bunk beds, and they had these cowboy and Indian curtains on the window. And so the curtains were closed. And I'm looking at the house mm-hmm. and I see somebody, it looks like, you know, how you take your hand about halfway down the curtain and you pull it back. It did that. Like oh. the curtain just moved. Like someone was watching us leave. And I remember thinking, I am so glad I never have to come back. I'm so glad we're not going to live in this house anymore. Yeah. But the crazy thing about that was I didn't tell anybody until years later when we were talking about it. And so I brought up that story and then everybody saw it, but nobody ever said, and nobody anything said about. anything at the time. Yeah. I think oh, we were wow. all kind of, I think there was a bit of um, PTSD or like, you know, goes <laughs> along with something like that. But I think at the time we were all just so grateful to be gone that it was just that exclamation point at the end of that whole story. It was like, 
and it's still there. And but it, but it did make me feel like I was leaving it behind. Yeah. So you never felt like it traveled with you, or I think that haunted you in some other way. I do think that when you grow up with something like that, that it does open you to it, whether you want to be or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think my brother hasn't had too many experiences as an adult. Um, my I have a sister who owns a haunted building <laughs> and I have oh another boy. sister who has um, all kinds of experiences. And so I like to, my house now is great. The last one I lived in, I would always say it was a not haunted house. That was kind of, <laughs> but if it wasn't an everyday feeling like it was in that other house, it would just weird things would happen. Like I was getting ready for work one day and a shadow just walked past like a six foot tall shadow. And I glance over and it's just a shadow. And I, there's no windows. It's in a little hallway. I'm like, I, what the hell was that? Or one day I was getting ready and I heard someone walk in the house with heavy, you know, like heavy soles on their, you know, like you could really hear it was a man. Yeah. So I walk out of the bathroom and my dog's barking and there's nobody in the house. So I think that there's still things that happen, you know, even, so I don't know. I think maybe, you know, I don't know how it all works. Maybe there's just some kind of spirits hanging out once in a while and they're going point A to point B and somebody like me can see them or hear them and other people can't. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, Carol, I know you write plays, but I think you need to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) You have so many stories. I have thought about like doing a book. I think it would be interesting to go back and kind of do some research on that house and look and, and talk to other people and see if they had experiences, similar experiences in the house. My sister has gone back Mm -hmm. and went through it and it looks totally different than it did when I lived there. Like I've seen pictures of it on Zillow. I don't recognize it as the house I live in at all. Okay. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Like they move staircases and like that kind of renovation. Wow. So, you know, she went there and told him how it used to be laid out and everything. And I'm like, God, that is insane. Why would you do that? (laughs) I'm like, what if it sticks to you? What if now it comes back with you? What if, what if, what if? Yeah. But she's brave. (laughs) Yeah. Much braver than me. I can't. And I have no desire to. I I don't think I want to go in there again. Well, six years is a long time, especially as a child, um, they have to deal with something like that. So I can certainly understand your reservation for wanting to, I guess, walk down memory lane. (laughs) But if you buy, if you read a book about it, I'll buy one. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll put it on my list of things to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know you're not busy or anything. (laughs) No, it's just, I do think though, that sometimes when you experience something like that, and especially when you're young, I just think it kind of, you know, I think that's a kind of a veil for kids that they can see and feel and experience things that as adults, we don't always, we're not always open to it. 
Mm-hmm. I think when you do have those experiences for a continued amount of time as a kid, that you just, it just kind of stays with you. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and I can go places and I can pick up on stuff. I've, I've, um, gone places, gone to a hotel twice. It's happened. I'm like, I cannot stay here. This is not good. And left in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, so when it, when it happens, it's just overwhelming to me. Well, that's good that you're able to recognize when it does happen. I'm sure because you grew up with it, you know what that feeling is. That, mm-hmm. Like you said, you can feel it between your shoulder blades behind you. And it's like an overwhelming, for me anyway, it's always an overwhelming sense of dread when yeah. it's something that's earthbound or, you know, a ghost. And especially when it's a negative energy or negative entity, it it's a very icky feeling. So yeah, I, I wouldn't want to stick around either. I get it. Very icky feeling is so spot on because it is, it's a really uncomfortable feeling. And yeah. it, when it's really intense, it almost feels like I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. It feels violating is another word I would use. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like my heart starts racing. I'm shallow. I'm breathing shallow. I get sweaty. Yeah. And, and that weird feeling in my shoulders and neck area. <laughs> Well, and I think it's really important too that to acknowledge that you're listening, you're you're aware and you're listening to your gut instinct and you're you're not ignoring it, you're not denying it or discounting it or you know, thinking it's all in your head. You're trusting that instinct that you're having. And I think that's that's really, really great. I do want to say though, I don't think that it's all negative. That I think like I, the house I live in now has the best energy and mm-hmm. I, I've always kind of felt like there's, you know, maybe an elderly couple. There's, there's been somebody who's lived here and I can just tell by the yard, somebody mm-hmm. lived before that really, really cared. And they took great care, like in the garage and the way, you know, there's like markings where they hung tools and very, very organized people. And I've got two sheds and you can see like they even put electricity in one of the sheds. Mm -hmm. So I feel like these people cared very, very much. I still feel like they're around, but they like it because I'm taking care of their house and and they respect that. So I think that you can also have that good energy and protective energy can also- But that's not the energy that's going to freak you out. That's not the energy that's going to make you want to leave a hotel room in the middle of the night. No, no. <laughs> it's very different. That's the one like, but it was funny because when I walked in this house, I walked in and I remember I stood in the front room and I thought like, I belong here. This is the house. I, and it was the first house I looked at. It was the weirdest feeling. It was just overwhelming. Like I need That's to- really cool. Yeah. So I think that you can pick up on that real positive stuff too. And it's like the house chose you. Uh-huh. I've always felt like that. Yeah. I just felt at home immediately. And so, you know, so I think it can go both ways. I think you can have the good energy around you, but I also think there's this, there's real darkness. Yeah. And, and so that's why, you know, and I, it's interesting because talking about paranormal things all day, every day, 
that I do feel like I have to kind of like you would cleanse your palate when you're drinking, doing a wine tasting. I kind of feel like at the end of the day, yeah. I have to cleanse my brain and wine. Yeah. Throw on some golden girls. Something on TV that is like the golden girls or, yeah, you know, just something that's so not paranormal and it can kind of erase that from my mind. And I frequently will just talk to my house and, you know, like, here's the rules. I, you know, I can't have that negative energy coming in because there, there's some really dark stories out there and some really scary stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, and I always think, cause you know, we all know those people who are skeptics and they don't believe in it. And I'm using air quotes because it's not really a belief if you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, believing in something and experiencing something are two very different things. So I always say I'm glad that you, you haven't experienced it is why you don't believe in it. I'm glad that you that you bring that up because that's such a good way to put it. P- people that don't believe in it, they either haven't experienced it or they have, and they're denying it. They're in yeah. denial. Isn't that so uh, weird that people will tell, they'll go, yeah, I don't believe in that stuff. But this one time, and then they'll tell you the most time. paranormal story. And I'm like, well, yeah. what the heck do you think that was? They try to rationalize it some other way, which I get. I mean, I get it. I really, really do. Um, but some of those things just aren't explainable, but you're right. It's you've either experienced it or you haven't. Um, so it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily a belief. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Very, it's very different, but when you, when it does happen and you, and I always say, try to debunk it, think of everything you can to debunk it. For sure. You know, just because you heard footsteps, was it really footsteps? You know, could there yeah. be what did somebody get up in the middle of the night? You know, but in in our case, because I remember one night the footsteps happened and going down the stairs, and then everything stopped. And then I heard my mom, who never seemed to hear it at night, and she says, Cindy, Kathy, Carol, Gary, and everybody heard it. Everybody goes, Yes, 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 yes. Everyone was in bed. And and it'd be hmm. different maybe if you if you heard it the other way, something walking in the front door up the stairs to there, because then it's like, oh, intruder. But when it sure. walks out of your a room in your house, like how is it getting there? And why is it doing that night after night? So it was almost some kind of I don't know. It was a weird haunting, but it didn't always do the same things. Yeah. So it makes me think it's not residual, that it's something intelligent, especially with your record story. To me, it sounds like something that's, that was definitely intelligent, somewhat interacting with your family. And one time I, um, we just had had fire awareness prevention, fire prevention week. Remember when you used to have that at school? Yeah. And so you had to go through what to do in case of a fire. And I was listening to records on my bed. My record player was on my bed. I unplugged it. I'm sure I had an extension cord. I was a kid, so I had stuff underneath my bed. So I unplugged it. I was going downstairs, and it was nighttime. And I don't know why I would have turned my light off, but I I did because I just remember turning around, and the wall was glowing 
the entire wall was glowing, which is weird oh. when you think about a fire starting, like you unplug something, walk four yeah. steps and a whole wall's glowing by that point. I don't, that's weird. But yeah. I just went into this yelling fire, fire. And I ran and got these towels and I brought them to my room and somebody went and got my mom. And so we got the fire out. And here, the weird thing is it was old house with old wallpaper, original wallpaper from the mm -hmm. early 1900s. Like this house, mm -hmm. no insulation. It was just, it was in bad shape, but nothing on the wall was singed, which is weird. Nothing underneath the bed was burned, but oh my gosh. it burned three holes in the middle of my bed, went through the box springs, went through the mattress, went through the blankets. And on top, I had a, a quilt that my grandmother had made for me. And she had embroidered all these little panels on the top of the quilt. And it burned the entire bottom of the quilt, but it didn't burn the entire top of the quilt. Like how... How does the quilt get burned like this huge, the whole back of it had to be removed. And on the front, like one or two, maybe one of those panels, my grandma had to replace. Like, how does it oh, wow. just burn all the way through? That's amazing. So I never understood the fire never made any sense to me. No, it shouldn't have happened in. And if it would have happened, it should have burned the wall or the really yeah. wallpaper or something like, how did it just jump to the middle of my bed? <laughs> so I've never figured that one out, but you know, it was a weird house and there was never any figuring. Any of it out. Yeah. It sounds like none of it really makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah why oh, are wow. flames coming up the middle of my bed, but it doesn't burn because that's what we use the towels for was to get mm -hmm. that fire out of the bed, but it mm -hmm. didn't burn the entire top blanket I don't wow there's I don't know it makes no sense oh my gosh Carol well I thank you so much you have really great stories I, I'm sure you could go on and on I'm telling you write a book please because I think um there's not many people that can really speak to everything you described saying and growing up in a haunted house and uh, you know people might have stories of things here and there but it sounds like for you and your family, it was pretty consistent over a number of years. So, you know, and I think it's interesting people like me who have those experiences. And for some reason, I don't want to experience it again, but I also am drawn to the paranormal. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. And I think it's because of the unanswered questions. It shapes you. Mm -hmm. It's part of who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, oh, wow. changes, it changes how you look at the world, really. Yeah, and it, I think it also is a good reminder of, um, I guess, really how small we are because there is so much unknown and there is so much that we can't control. And so I feel like it helps kind of um, keeps things in in a better perspective, I guess, is is how I try to look at it. And, you know, I think that there's also been other times in my life where it has, um, something has helped me like, like 
you know, I, one time I was almost in a horrific car accident and I heard a man in my, it sounded like he was in my car. Mm -hmm. He yelled and told me to speed up rather than slow down. And I did. And because I sped up, the crash happened right where I was. But oh, wow. who was the man? You know, so I think there are a lot of paranormal things that can happen mm -hmm. that can be helpful and good. And, and oh, so absolutely. Not all dark and evil. No, it's not. That's why this podcast is so focused on the positive side of the paranormal and supernatural. Basically, um, I got really tired of all the negative things that are out there about the subject matter. And I decided to start a podcast. So no, I get it. Not everything is dark and negative. There's plenty of positive, helpful, beautiful experiences. And for whatever reason, the media doesn't want to talk about those things. Yeah. So. I think they both go hand in hand. I think there's, you know, it's just like anything, everything has an opposite. And yeah. yep. so in this entire world, anything you think of, there's an opposite. And so it kind of goes both ways. And I think so too. So I think that, you know, some people who get the sense of things, you know, there's some people who are psychic and, you know, I've talked to some really interesting people on the podcast and you know, just kind of using their abilities to help people. And I just, uh, mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I could, it's something I could absolutely. You're lucky that you get to do that with your podcast, The Grave Talks. I know. <laughs> I get to talk about it all the time. I do. I love it. Yeah. Thanks, well, Carol, for, thanks for having me on. This has been a, a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. I'm such a fan and you're such a sweet lady. And I thank you for taking the time to share all of your stories tonight with us. Very welcome. Up next, we have Holly Rosa. Holly is a friend of the podcast and she has some stories for us. Holly, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to share a couple of scary stories. Yeah. Um, so what do you have for us? Well. The, I think I'll start off with one that's a little goofy, but still potentially scary. Because mm -hmm. it wouldn't be me if it wasn't slightly goofy and potentially scary. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true. Um, right. Uh, I work as a massage therapist and uh, I was working on this lady. Um, it was my first time ever meeting her. I had. Uh, I didn't know that she had the ability of being a, a medium. Uh, so we got into talking about spirituality and ghosts and things. And uh, she proceeds to tell me um, about something that's going on in my house. Now she's, she's going to be in both of my stories today because she's, uh, she happens to be in both of my stories. So one of the things mm -hmm. that she brought up was, uh, she said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but homes have elves. They have house elves. And she said, uh, they kind of look like Dobie from Harry Potter. And I was like, I don't know how much this lady's been smoking, but cool. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of anybody ever say that house elves are a thing. So I was like, okay, we're just, I'm just going to ask her questions. And 
one of the like interesting stories she had told me was that uh, she was at a friend's house, saw the house elf, um, forced the house elf to be in the basement. And the moment she did that, the three-year-old son woke up and started crying and said, my friend, you forced in the basement. I want him to come back up. So, oh <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of weird. Even little kids see the little house elf. Okay. Yeah. So fast forward to this wild and crazy story. She proceeds to tell me that house elves oftentimes take things and then hide them wherever they're hanging out. Um, so maybe, you know, she, she told a friend of mine, your house elf hangs out in the attic. If you go up in the attic, you'll find some old things up there that you've been missing. And sure enough, she found some old toys and like an old car toy that she'd been missing since she was a little kid. And it was like stashed in the corner. Oh, wow. of the attic. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. All right. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> I just kind of take that with a grain of salt because I've never heard of such a thing. She ends up, the psychic ends up coming over to my house um, for another reason, which I'll get into that story. But as she's in my house, she goes into my basement and she um, she kept looking in this like entryway and she kept staring at this entryway and then she would do her thing and then she'd stare at that entryway. And she finally said, do you ever feel like you're being watched when you're doing the laundry? And that's something I don't, often tell people because it sounds like I'm a little crazy but in fact every time I do the laundry and I'm shoving laundry in the thing I do look in that same exact spot that she kept staring at she proceeds Mm -hmm. to tell me that I have a house elf she says that this house elf watches you do laundry and in fact my house elf likes whiskey so if you ever lose something please leave a shot of whiskey on the kitchen table and you will find what it is, whatever it is that you're missing. So I find that kind of interesting because, you know, okay, I'm not really sure what to do with that information. I fast forward a few months. Um, I got a hold of a friend of a friend who had Garth Brook tickets. And I said, well, I, when's the next opportunity I'm ever going to see Garth Brooks? So I went over to this gentleman. We met up. I got tickets. Cool. At that day, we were all at my grandmother's house raking leaves, my entire family. It was like kind of a grandma was elderly at the time. And so we would always collect leaves one day. And so we're raking leaves and doing our thing. And I run in the house. I go, everybody, come gather around, gather around. I got to show you what I got. So I show my husband, Sam, look at these tickets. I got tickets for Garth Brooks. We're going to see Garth Brooks. And I go, here, put this in your wallet. Because I don't have my purse with me and I don't have anything with me. Put it in your wallet. And he says, no, you take it. I go, no, you take it. And he goes, no, you take it. You know, husband and wife. So I walked away. And uh, later that night, we got home. I went to bed. And I thought, oh, I got to go get those tickets and put them somewhere important. So I got up and I looked around and I thought, well, now where did he put them? So I asked my husband, where did you put the tickets? And he says, oh, I put them in your coat sleeve. <laughs> there was almost, there was almost murder that day, folks. There was almost murder because I was like, "What do you mean you put the tickets in my coat sleeve? Like not even the pocket of the coat, the coat sleeve?" I had picked up my coat under my arm and walked to the car. It was very windy that day, so God knows 
if the tickets fell out of my coat. So now we can't find the tickets. They're not in my coat sleeve. We're digging through the car and they're not in the car. It's midnight. He he gets up, he goes to my grandma's house with the headlights on. And he's searching along the fences, seeing if the if the tickets flew out and they're along the fence line. I had my mom looking, had my brothers looking. We went all through grandma's house. We went through all we my mom went to my brother's house, searched his house, thinking maybe it fell into their diaper bag. We went through my car. I mean, my car was so clean. I could have vacuumed it. It would have been immaculate. Like there, it was not in my car. Couldn't find these gosh darn tickets. So now I had to look at this, call up the stranger that I'd never met, friend of a friend, and say, "So you know those tickets you gave me yesterday? Yeah, I lost them already. Think you could give me some more? So that's cool." He ended up setting it up. We went to will call, got the tickets, had a great time at Garth Brooks. The next day, it still bothered me. Got it. So we went to the Garth Brooks concert, and it was fantastic. We had a great time. And uh, it still bothered me when we got back home that we never did find the original tickets. So an idea popped in my head, and I thought, now, wouldn't it be nuts if I left out a shot of whiskey and something happened. So for the <laughs> hell of it, I left out a shot of whiskey on the kitchen table. And the next morning I got up and on the kitchen counter were the tickets that we had used. The stubs had been ripped off. And uh, I thought, yep, there's the old tickets. I wonder whatever happened to those original tickets. I got into my car, I put it in reverse, and as I'm going down the driveway, I look in my seat, and in my in my passenger seat, just laying there in the open, is two tickets to Garth Brooks. And I thought, well, is that the same tickets, or are these the old tickets? And so I put it in park, and I run in the house, and I see the old tickets that we used because the stubs were ripped off and I run back in my car and I take the two tickets out and I run back in the house. I have the original tickets in the front seat of my car. You can't tell me I missed it. Of course, I'd, I would have seen that those tickets were there. How did that happen? And it just so happened I left a shot of whiskey on the kitchen table. <laughs> That's crazy because you checked your car so thoroughly the day before. There's no way that wow. they just appeared on my front seat. There's no way. And of course, I called my mom and I said, are you are you playing a joke? Did you find the tickets and put them on my front seat? And of course, she said, I knew it. I knew it all along. They were in your car. You didn't open up your eyes. And I was like, no, 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 mom. I'm telling you, they were not in my car. I don't know. It doesn't make sense, folks. But I have a house elf and he likes whiskey. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's. That's one. Now, <laughs> we'll go on to the creepy story, the story that, that gets everybody. So when we had Noah, that's my son, He uh, he's now 12. But when we had him, uh, as soon as he was, you know, in the house as a baby, it seemed like things started happening around the house, some activity mm -hmm. that we couldn't explain. And... Mm -hmm. You know, as you are as a new mom with a new baby, you brush it off as sleep de deprivation and, and you know, maybe I'm just losing my mind. 
Yeah. But there were things that were happening that just didn't make sense. There were toys that would go off in the middle of the night. Um, the biggest thing was his door would, would always open up and my husband and I would get into arguments about it. Hey, if you're going to check on him, that's fine, but shut the door when you leave. So he doesn't wake up to any sounds and, well, I did shut the door. Well, no, you didn't because the door was open. Well, yeah, I did. And it continued and it was a yeah. continuous thing. And so we just, again, kind of brushed it off. Um, one night, my husband and I got into bed, we laid down. And as soon as our heads hit the pillow, it appeared as soon as our heads hit the pillow, there was this bang in the hallway and the only way I can describe it, and I'm going to kind of demonstrate, it just sounded like a, and then a scrape, like a scratch. And mm -hmm. followed by a thud. Mm. And I thought, did a picture frame fall? That was the only thing that yeah. could make sense, except that there's no picture frame in the hallway. And we opened up doors and we went into the bedrooms and we couldn't find anything that would have made that noise. So we went back to mm -hmm. bed. As soon as we went back to bed, a toy went off in the living room and we got up to look. And as soon as we got into the living room, the toy shut off. And that was when I realized there might be something here. <laughs> so um, as time progressed, uh, Noah was about one and a half, two years old. And he had this remote controlled car that, you know, you, you can drive it around. And one time we're in the living room and him and I are playing together and the to the car starts driving around by itself. And so Stop. naturally, I thought, well, he must have the remote. And I look over and the remote is, in fact, by me, not anywhere near him. And so... Uh -huh. I, I looked at Noah and he looked at me and, you know, he's about two years old. So he's not, I mean, he's talking, but he's not talking a lot. And so I said, Noah, do you see anything? And he just kind of looked at me with his eyes wide. And I said, okay, I think you do see something. And so I decided to ask it questions. I said, do we know you? If so, make the car move forward. And the car didn't move. And I said, if we don't know you, move the car forward and the car moved forward it started answering mm -hmm. my questions and i was like okay well this is a thing and as soon as i started asking questions noah got up and he ran into the hallway and he just peeked his head around the wall to watch what i was doing so evidently he was catching on to something or seeing something as well um wow one one night uh, we were, uh, Sam had gone to bed, my husband and Noah was in his bed and I was watching TV. I had got up to shut off the TV. And as I got up to shut off the TV, I heard the hallway floorboards creak. And there's always mm. one section in the hallway where it creaks. And so I waited because I thought maybe my husband was going to approach me and say something. Well, he never emerged from the hallway. So I shut off the TV and I went to the bathroom and I brushed my teeth and I came into the bedroom to my husband sitting on the bed, rubbing his eyes and looking at me funny. And I said, hey, I just walked past Noah's room. The door is open. If you're going to check on him, 
shut the door. Uh-huh. And he said, I didn't check on him. And he says, and what are you doing? And I said, well, what do you mean? I just got done watching TV. And he goes, tell me you just came in here and went on my face. Blowing <laughs> air on your face. <laughs> and I go, that's a weird thing to do, even for me, Sam. That's not me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he said that somebody had come in and blew on his face, not once, but twice, and very hard at that. Uh, we had no explanations for that. Now, to fast forward a little bit, I was telling this story to that psychic medium that I was working on, who I didn't mm-hmm. realize was a psychic medium, and Mary mm-hmm. is her name. Mary proceeds to tell me that she sees a little girl ages six to eight years old who is just passing by and saw all the toys and was attracted by the toys and in fact she saw her sitting on my husband's chest and blowing in his face because she thought it was funny no (laughs) i thought well that's interesting but it gets weirder from there um eventually when noah started speaking He started telling us about the face. Now, he's only two and a half, maybe three, and we can't really get it out of him what he means by the face, other than it's a man, and it's the face, and he would point to the corner of the room where the face would show himself to him in the middle of the night. And so oftentimes at about two or three in the morning, we would wake up to screams because the face was hovering above Noah's face as he was trying to sleep. Um, oh, jeez. So at this point, I'm, you know, you see enough ghost stories and horror movies to know, well, this isn't normal, and, and I'm not going to be that mom or that dad. And thankfully, my husband wasn't that dad that said, oh, everything is fine. He was like, okay, let's sage. Let's do that. Let's sage. Let's salt. Let's do all the things. So Mm -hmm. we did all the things. We saged. We salted the the corners and we we, we did the prayers. And and then the energy seemed to calm down for a bit. And then one night, um, Sam had to work the night shift, which is very, very rare. But he had to work the night shift. And Noah had gone to bed and... I had gone to bed and I slept soundly until my eyes opened up and I was wide awake. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Why am I wide awake? There's nothing to wake me up. And I looked at the clock and it said 3 a.m., 3 a.m. on the dot. And Mm -hmm. I thought, well, again, if you know anything about spiritual stuff, usually 3 a.m. is the mocking hour, and that's never a good time to just wake up for no reason. And so I thought, okay, I don't know why I'm up now, but here we go. And so I'm laying there in the silence, and I hear the floorboards creak in the hallway. And I knew that it couldn't be my son, because he was, first of all, he was only about three, two and a half, three years old. He's not up walking around and I knew it wasn't my husband because he was at work so I laid there wondering who's in my hallway and approaching my bedroom door and as I laid there my bedroom door opened and then I heard the floorboards creak as whatever this was walked into my room 
walked along the bottom of my bed and came up my side of the bed. And Mm -hmm. I felt it just stand there like it was just watching me. And I say this every time I tell this story. I know I'm not normal when it comes to these type of things. Um, I grew up. You're very sensitive. uh, Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I, I'm not normal in the way that I respond to these things. And so (laughs) I decided I was just going to be a little confrontational. And so I turned my head to it. I wasn't going to dare open my eyes. I I didn't want to see it, but I turned my head to face it. And I said, effing really? It's 3 a.m. and you're going to pull this crap on me? Yeah. And it leaned over my face and it went in my face. And I felt its breath on my face. And I said, F you. And I rolled off to the other side of the bed and I flipped on the lights and there was nothing there that I could visibly see. And I was like, nope, not today. And I'm screaming at it to leave my house and you're not welcome. You need to go to the light. And I'm saging the house and I'm turning all the lights on. And um, nothing happened after that for quite some time. And then about a month or two passed and Noah woke up in the middle of the night. And this time his scream was a little bit different. His scream Mm -hmm. sounded more like pain. And so Sam and I flew out of bed and ran to Noah's room. And Noah said, the face, the face hit me. The face hit me, mom. And I was like, oh, no, nope. I am not going to allow that. So we did all the things. And I eventually contacted my client, Mary, who came out to my house. Mm -hmm. And amongst, you know, she had come here for an actually a totally different reason than the whole face situation. She had actually came uh, to do something called an aura cleaning on me, but it, she ended up doing multiple things in my house. <laughs> and so yeah. one of the first things she did was she immediately came to my house she came into my house and did she I, I had never told her what my house where the rooms were or whatever but she immediately went up the stairs and went to Noah's room and she mm-hmm. looked around and then she went to my room and she looked around and she shook her head no she went back to Noah's room and said there's a man that visits your son at night And I was like, well, you've nailed that on the head. That's correct. Mm -hmm. So she said what she could do is she couldn't get rid of him, but she could trap him in a different room so that he can leave my son alone. And I said, okay, let's do that. So she had to ask Noah's permission because it was Noah's space. And Mm -hmm. she did whatever she did and put him into a spare room in our basement. Many years had passed. We never had any problems. And one day Noah had this ball called the annoying orange. And when you press on it, it would say stupid, dumb things. Hence why it was called the annoying orange. And Mm -hmm. he was playing with it and he kicked it and went down the stairs and it went right in front of that storage room. Now, Noah is still upstairs. He hasn't seen where it landed, but he's still upstairs 
And about two minutes later, Noah starts giggling. And I said, what are you giggling about? And he said, oh, the face just saw the annoying orange ball and he thinks it's funny. <laughs> and I said, oh, wait, you still see the face? And he goes, um, not really, but sometimes. And I said, well, what does he look like? And he describes a man in his mid-40s with brown eyes and a beard. Um, I found that very, very interesting. What ended up, uh, you know, to this day, we really haven't had anything happen uh, since he's been forced into the back room. But I would say about five years ago, I had a friend in the break room at uh, at my at my place of mis- I was doing massage, and um, mm-hmm. I had just gotten done doing a hot stone massage, and so I have thirty minutes to eat my lunch and to clean up these hot stones. And I walk in there and I'm doing my stuff, and she has her phone on, and it's like got this static sound. And I said, "What are you doing?" And she said, "Oh." I don't know. I downloaded this app to talk to ghosts, but nothing's happened. It's it's a worthless thing. And I said, really? Nothing's happened? And she goes, no. And I said, well, I'm in the room now. Shit's going to start happening. So be prepared. And she goes, <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, just I'm just telling you right now, it's, something's going to happen. So as I'm eating my lunch, her, her phone is static. It's And she goes, Gavin, well, I was scrolling through my Facebook and one of my one of my good friends is Gavin. And I had just come across his feed and I was reading up what he was doing. And so I looked over at her and I said, oh, you know, Gavin. And she said, no. And I go, why did you say Gavin? Well, my phone just said Gavin. And I go, oh, I told you things were going to happen. That's talking directly Uh to me because I'm Uh currently on my Facebook looking at my friend. So she says, dad, get out of here and i go now what and she goes it said rocks and i go oh crap i gotta wash my stones from doing the hot stones hey thanks spirit i'll go quickly wash those (laughs) so i get up i start washing my stones. she's like are you serious right now and i said i told you things are gonna happen now that i'm in the room Uh so then all of a sudden her phone goes and she looks at it and she says page and I said, Paige? And she goes, yeah. And I go, P-A-I-G-E? And she goes, yeah. Well, fun fact, when I worked at a different place of business, our boss was kind of a douche canoe. And he made us change our names, not because it was to save us from anybody, but rather because he thought his front desk staff wouldn't remember if it was Holly or Haley. So we had to change our names. And my name at the other place was called Paige. My name was Paige over at the other place. And I said, whatever you're talking to is directly talking to me because my name at this other place was Paige. Now, she didn't even know that. So she was at this point panicking. And I said, watch this. Is the face still stuck in the basement? And her phone goes, and she looks at her phone. And she chucks it on the table and she goes, F you, Holly, F you. And I said, what happened? What did it say? And she said, it just said, let me out. (laughs) And that, that, folks, 
is my creepy stories for you. <laughs> oh, Holly, that gave me the chills. And I've heard you tell, you told me that story once before privately and it hasn't changed and it's still creepy. And so thank you for sharing it with us. This is perfect Absolutely. for Halloween special. Perfect. <laughs> that concludes our Halloween special. Friends, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening. It really helps other people find us. Please share the podcast. We all know at least one person who is into the paranormal and the supernatural, and they might be in the closet about it. They might be very vocal about it, but we all know at least one person. So share this podcast with them. It has been my pleasure for two seasons now to bring you these stories, these experiences, my great guests that I've had on. Um, as you may have seen on social media, the podcast is going on an indefinite hiatus. I am being pulled further into my spiritual work and truly it's about time management and there's not enough time in the day to fit it all in. Um, so the podcast is going to go on the back burner for a little bit. Um, it is my hope and desire to bring you a season three. I just don't know when, and I don't know what it would look like. Um, but when there is a season three, it's not going to be until 2024. I know that for sure. Um, so I just really want to thank you for listening, for sharing the podcast um, hanging in with some technical difficulties that I've had over the last two seasons. Podcasting is no joke. It is serious business. There's a lot to learn and it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but I've really truly enjoyed every minute. And I thank all of my guests that I've had on the show over the last two seasons. If you want to learn more about what I do about my mediumship work, my mentorship, all that great stuff, head over to junehessler.com. Everything you need to know is over there. You can find me on social media, on Facebook, June Hessler Medium, on Instagram at June Hessler. And um, send me a note, say hi. Um, it truly has been my pleasure. So thank you for taking this journey with me. Thank you for sharing the podcast. This podcast is now in five countries, which is wild. And I'm so grateful for that. And um it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much.